Hi there, this is Jim the Keys Bartender coming to you from a beautiful Key Largo. If you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender podcast, it is a podcast about bartending, Keys life, and life in general. Today we're going to be talking about, I will be talking about, or me and my several personalities will be talking about, uh, the Orange Crush Martini and a little psychological content uh, concept called cognitive dissonance. And this will show you how it plays a big role in the psychology of dealing with people and the way I deal with things sometimes. First of all, I want to talk about the Orange Crush Martini. Several years ago, I had tourists stop in and they were from, if I remember correctly, they're from the eastern shore of Merlin. And they requested, instead of just saying an orange martini, they called it an orange crush. So I asked them how it was made. And they told me, and I went to it. And what I did is I took two ounces of vodka, poured it over a mixing, in a mixing cup filled with ice, uh, orange vodka. And then I took a half of orange. Now, this is where you got to be particular about it. You got to make sure your oranges that you're using have some certain taste profile you like. I like mine being a little sweet, equally sweet and tart. And then you take just a splash, about a quarter to a half ounce of triple sec. And you have that orange, half orange squeezed in already. I don't know if I said that. And you take that, you shake it, and you take the martini glass. And like I said, a lot of times, if, uh, especially because it's warmer down here, I like to chill the martini glass by putting a little ice and club soda in it. So I shake up the mix I have. I got the uh, martini glass chilling, and right before I pour it, I dump the uh, ice into uh, my sink, and then I go away and pour, and then it leaves you a little room for a splash of lemon lime soda. That's either Sprite or 7-Up. And there you have it. You garnish with a nice wedge or wheel of orange and you have your orange crushed martini and there'll be a big hit if you got and the better the orange is the better it is it's just really that simple and uh, I, you know i always go with the two ounce uh pour with a martini i try to because you know first of all that's just going to kick you in the ass it's usually uh I, ounce and a quarter is normally for a drink but martinis go a little heavier so you you should be a little more uh, vigilant when you're consuming martinis because you are consuming a lot more alcohol with that if you're going drink for drink with someone. To move on right now, a couple minutes in. Cognitive dissonance. Now, I'm going to tell a little story. Down here, and you may have heard this before, that uh, we have iguanas. There are an invasive species. And there's a certain segment of the population down here and it's it could be uh, a majority but if you just people that have a strong opinion of it you got people that are uh you know are kind of anti-iguana and then you got a smaller pro-iguana thing now iguanas are invasive species normally from mexico and they found their way here in the keys and they were very uh prolificate if i say that correctly about uh spawning, you know, about having offspring. So there's tons of iguanas. They grow up to about, you know, we, you know, fully grown one could be four feet long, easy, easy. And they eat uh, flowers and they do a number on vegetation. They can, they're, they're very strong bur burrs, 
borrowing, I'm going to say this right, burrowing creatures. Okay, so they got strong, powerful claws, and they could dig into some of the hardest things you'd you'd see. Now, the people down here to deal with it, we have, um, I guess, the local population. They have iguana wranglers where they just take them. You know, they wait until, especially when it gets a really cold snap, they'll be laying on the ground and they'll just pick them up and try to reduce. They're going to have a very difficult time getting rid of all of them. It's kind of a, a a losing battle trying to get rid of iguanas since they're so prevalent and there's no natural predators here except for man. So people down here use all sorts of uh, gimmicks. The main one being they get a pellet gun and they shoot them. Now there's a group of people that like to keep iguanas as a pet and think they, they think they're lovely pets and all those things. And you just have these two opposing groups on it. And what happens is neither group sees any middle ground on seeing it. And that's the cognitive dissonance I'm going to be saying. It's someone that you love pets, right? But you hate iguanas. So we're going to talk about that and how that applies and how you can apply that to how to handle customers at the bar, handle, handle subjects with people you deal with and stuff like that. I'll be right back to talk about it. I'm back. I had to go and turn off my Alexa. I was listening to some meditation music prior to this podcast, and I wanted to, uh, I turned the volume up too high. So cognitive dissonance, as a, when it comes to iguanas and things like that, I said, where, where people want to get rid of them, you got people that are normally peaceful, and they just hate iguanas, and they just build up this real animosity to iguanas, and they... You know, they're just, they didn't come here, you know, iguana did just didn't hitch a ride on the truck. It could have hitched a ride on the truck or maybe not, but the purpose wasn't to come here to Florida and down to the Florida Keys and then to have a population explosion and then eat all the garden, you know, all your, your flowers in your garden. No, they just found themselves here. But why is it that we have these two groups of people. People say, well, you know, they're just an invasive species and they're harmful to the environment here. They're harmful to your, what they really are harmful to, they're harmful to your garden and your lawn. That's the only thing. And obviously sometimes an iguana can short out. It's funny with their tails, when they're climbing on the wire sometimes, if they, uh, they can short out uh, electoral transmission, they cause blackouts every so often. Uh, squirrels can do it, but... Iguanas are a really big one because they have the long hanging tails. Well, what cognitive dissonance is, is that when you have a strongly held belief, and uh, that's a cognition, it's an idea or a value that you have, and the dissonance occurs when there is information or something that kind of conflicts with it. And that's um, a lot of times, luckily we don't have it as much, it's not as boisterous as it was a couple of years ago, uh, especially during COVID, uh, when we were reopening and before COVID with the previous president, we had a lot of political differences there. And what this cognitive dissonance is, it's, it's our psyche in conflict with an idea. So... 
uh, a lot of times, especially in bars, I'll come in, I'll see someone come in and they could be dressed to the kind of uh, profile that I think this person's going to be difficult and they're going to be a bit of an asshole, right? And I'll hold that belief. And then when I start talking to them, I'll see how pleasant they are and how friendly they are. That creates a cognitive dissonance to say, wow, I held the belief when this person came in that they were an asshole, right? And after speaking to them for a while, I got new information. That was the new information. And I realized, oh, this person is, is very pleasant and not at all what I thought. And it happens all the time. It happens with religion. There was a study done in 1956. There was a, I don't want to call it a doomsday cult, but it was kind of a doomsday cult. And it was on the uh, West Coast. I think it was on the West Coast. But what happened in 1956, a group of people gathered outside. And they were uh, expecting, they were singing Christmas carols. And they were looking up into the uh, sky and they were waiting for a flying saucer to come and get them. And it was a it's, it was a cult founded by this woman who was being contacted. I think they were called the elders. And they were told to do these things. And that the believers, they were told what to do, what to believe in and things like this by this woman who said she was a receptacle for their information. And she told them that there was going to be a huge uh, flood on the West Coast. And uh, the elders would come and through their instructions would come and save them. And so there was a large group of people, that's about 200 people, and they went and did this uh, expecting to be picked up by flying saucers. Well, they weren't picked up by flying saucers, but the interesting thing about it is that they never, they, they didn't all choose to disbelieve after that. As a matter of fact, that happens a lot in religious cult things where you have doomsday cults saying they're going to have a group of people come and they were going to be taken up. Let's say the rapture was going to occur. And several times over the last 20 years, I heard people expecting the rapture and there were people giving away all their stuff and they were expecting to be taken wholly up into heaven. Um, in 1994, there was an ultra-Orthodox ultra uh, group of uh, Jewish people that were following this Rebbe Schneerson. And in 1994, uh, prior to 1994, he declared himself and the, his believers declared himself the Messiah. And in 1994, he had a stroke. And he was not supposed to be able to die. But after dying, a sizable majority of the people stayed committed to Re Rebbe Schneerson, believing that he would come back to life. Now, up into the airing of this podcast, Rebbe Schneerson has not come back to life. And I'm not poo-pooing on religion and things like that. But when you set things in line, like you're, you're saying this is going to happen, it, it kind of, it, that's what sets up the dissonance. The dissonance is that thing did not happen. And it happens all the time in, in bars and restaurants and stuff if you're not familiar with sports betting. In sports betting this weekend, uh, me being a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles, 
I've over the last couple weeks or last couple months, I've had people saying they're not going to do that well. They're going to crash. They're going to get crushed. Blah 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 blah. And you know, I'm not a true believer as much as these other people. But there's other people that are so committed to their teams. And as of the airing of this podcast, the Eagles are actually in the Super Bowl. But they they they're they were certain. They said, "Nope, you guys aren't going to win. You're not that depth." Blah blah blah. But and when it happens, uh, that the predictions that they said, they assure me they're going to lose. The Giants are going to beat, win. The 49ers are going to win. And, and this and that. And then when it doesn't happen, you have a choice to make afterwards. You're saying either the other team was better or you come up with this, what would you call it, confirmation bias thing. And with uh, in this particular situation, you'll say, well, they were playing away and the quarterback wasn't that good. In the 49ers game, they'll say something like, oh, the, the officiating was bad. The Eagles cheated. Um, we had our third string. We had no quarterbacks, actually. We had no quarterbacks, blah, 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 and all these things. So that, that information where there was the fans were sure that the team would win and then the team losing sometimes – by a lot of points, they have to come to an inclusion to reconcile their belief system prior with the results. And people go through mental gymnastics to really do that. And if you follow um, these pages, you'll find that on um, in politics too. Obviously, in 2020, we had a president that would not accept that he lost fair and square and he decided, instead of saying, he said, we're going to certainly going to win. We're going to win by a landslide. If we don't win by a landslide, it's going to... So he was presetting that thing. But afterwards, there was a certain significant minority of his followers believed in the, the lie so much, the big lie, that um, there's no way the opposition could have won without cheating, that they went to the U.S. Capitol... And they had a brief insurrection there. And they followed that with, you know, we have to do something. We have to, you know, or they, they presaged by saying we have to do something and we have to do it now and things like that. So people have all these ways of dealing with these, like, ideas that are in conflict with information that comes to them. So how do you how do you deal with that? How do you deal with people that are certain certainly like when you're um, a confirmation bias is something that people go to a source of information that they know is going to confirm their beliefs. So if you always go to Fox News, you're always going to go to Fox News. You're always going to go to One American News, and what they'll say is every other news source is a fake media. And um, obviously the people in CNN and MSNBC and BBC and those stuff will say these are partisan uh, networks and things like that. So they've got both of these people going and people sit in their echo chambers and they just they don't get they don't seek out information that could conflict with their own information. If you know somebody and personally you have a personal opinion of someone in your neighborhood and you think this person is a thief and a liar 
and they're disloyal to their partners and all these things. They can't be trusted. Now, you can you have that idea in your head. Now, if you come across a new piece of information that shows you that this person has dealt honestly with someone and done did hard work and they're pleasant and they're loyal to their partner, you may be just say, well, this is one piece of information I just can't accept. And you just disregard that information. And the only time you're going to accept any information is one that confirms with your belief. And that's a confirmation bias. Right? I had this feeling about oysters. And this is my strongly held belief. I have an idea that you shouldn't be eating raw shellfish or anything that they have to legally put up a warning that eating raw shellfish could cause um, you an illness or even death. And I just have this feeling. I said, you know, I had the, always had this feeling that if you eat enough of those, you're eventually going to get a bad one. You're going to get sick. If you're constantly eating shellfish, you're eventually going to get sick. And that's my belief. But I ran into tons of people that eat oysters all the time. And they never get ill. But I still had that little thought in my head. But I listened to those people. I'm not saying I'm better. I listened to those people and I said, well, there's a piece of information I'm not sure about. You know, and then I thought about when I heard about that shellfish thing, why I think about people, you shouldn't eat shellfish because it's a warning and blah, blah, blah. Almost every drug that's sold on the, um, you see an advertising for a drug, you'll see a disclaimer at the end of it. And it's huge. It's wordy and stuff like that. Well, that's the, that disclaimer comes about during the trials. And the disclaimer comes about anything that happens during the trials. If someone, you have a control group and then you have a group that's taking the medication. If anything should happen, if the diarrhea, uh, thoughts of suicide, this and that, all these things occur. Anything happen that's a possibility could do that. They have to report that. So... I guess that shows that it just makes a bigger impact on me. I hear that stuff. It's, oh, well, this stuff isn't necessarily good. You hear this about, you know, when there's a disclaimer, you think the disclaimer is much bigger than it was. And that was confirmation bias on my side. So I have to think about that. And I have to think about it all the time when I think of sports team and things like that. I did mention my, my football team is going to the Super Bowl. I the other team they're going to be playing against is the Kansas City um, Chiefs, and I'm a big fan of their coach and their quarterback and some of their players. So it's really I don't I don't develop a hate, and that's one of the things. In order for you to be okay with someone being hurt, let's say in wartime, um, in the early '90s, I'm going to say it wasn't in war wartime, but in the early '90s. In Africa, it was uh, Burundi and Rwanda. And the president of Rwanda was coming back in a plane from Burundi, which was right south of Rwanda. It's in the uh, central, I guess, more north central part or central part of Africa. And uh, there's two ethnic groups in Rwanda. Two primary ethnic groups are the Hutu, which was the predominant, predominant ones, and a large min a minority of Tutu, a Tutsi, Tutsi. And what happened is the um, Hutu instigators blamed the Tutsi 
for the death of the president. And they took that as an opportunity to commit suicide against, a uh, suicide, genocide against these people. And there was mass killings by the Hutu of the Tutsi. And you hear them talk about these people by calling them cockroaches, not, not even human beings. And what that does is, you know, you have a group of people, you even had religious people that were involved in the massacres, involved committing the massacres. And why did this happen? It's because once you start going down that road, you look at by uh, using your cognitive dissonances, this is my fellow countryman, this is a fellow human, uh, you shouldn't commit murder. What they use to create a bias is having a hostile thought about a group of people and demeaning them, making them less than human, making them subhuman, insect-like, cockroaches, you know? They were doing all these things they were saying. But that makes it easier once you hold that idea that, so when you hear about an iguana being an invasive species or, you know, the homeless being defecating on the streets and things like that, we'll, we'll, it's easier to hold a negative feeling about something that's not like you. Once you start relating to the thing or relating to the thing that you're, you're holding hard feelings or hostile feelings to, it, it kind of creates that consonant, that cognitive dissonance that makes you conflict and makes you and, and people, the outcomes of cognitive dissonance causes anxiety, fear, um, and, and causes people to run for their source, their traditional sources or and traditional groups of people that would confirm their beliefs. You know, if you have a, a particular group, let's say you're, you're following um, and any politician, think of it, almost any politician in the United States, Republican or Democrat or this, and sometimes you can have a particular hard feeling about someone and you can witness them doing something really great. And you think, wow. It would be really hard for you to see that. How could they do something good because they had this worst feeling? On the other hand, if you worship them and if you hold them blameless for the things they do and they do something very horrible, very bad, like you know, sex with an underage, with a minor or anything like that, those things cause that conflict and it causes us to do it. So what I'm suggesting is for people to Embrace this. Lean into cognitive dissonance because you know what? A lot of times people get anxious. It's a cause of undue anxiety because you have these belief systems that are actually in conflict with the information that you're getting. You could be looking at, you know, thinking about iguanas, sitting out back, shooting all the iguanas you can and just having them pile up. And then you may watch a video of some guy with a pet iguana and the iguana's climbing up on his uh, off his pants leg and stuff like that. And he's feeding them grapes or whatever the things that they eat. And you just say, wait a second. This guy's treating this iguana as a pet. Now, most people, when you view an animal as a pest versus pest. You know, that's a pest. If you think of it, a pest and a pet, there's the only difference between them is one letter. Right? If something could possibly be a pet, 
it would be very hard for you to um, do something about it. That's why uh, there's one of the biggest things that co cognitive dissonance is meat eaters. Meat eaters. Especially with the new information we're getting. You see, in modern days, it used to be years ago, years and years ago, there was only one pet, and that was dogs. And before dogs, I think that was pretty much it. Sometimes they got other animals like cats and dogs and stuff. Cats held, they got cats to, to control the rodents because they thought the cats is less dirty. Same thing, dogs. They used dogs to use as, as sentry animals. But then they became more incorporated into human life and stuff like that. Now you see dogs, in most cultures, dogs are seen as pets, not as food and not as pests. And you don't see people running around, I mean, unless they're psychopathic, shooting dogs. Now, most people saw iguanas as pets. You'd be looking at the people shooting the iguanas as psychopaths. Same thing if they were shooting cats or dogs. If your neighbor just started, if, if a person in your neighborhood just started shooting your pets, what would you think of that person? Well, there you go. It was just it, the cognition that changed and people started thinking the same thing with meat. Now you're eating meat, you know the animal, and, and a lot of times the way they slaughter the meat and stuff like that. And this is the thing I always have a big problem with. I eat meat. I believe in hunting because it calls the population and things like that. But I also I'm torn with because I think a lot of the way they process meat is cruel. And I do, I do. I love the taste of it. And this is the duality of it. And it's really hard to it's really hard concept to have. And I I started changing the composition of what I eat. Eventually, obviously, if they have a lab grown meat. That would be a walk in the park for me then. You know, if I could eat something that isn't, wasn't uh, uh, moving around on its own on a free range and stuff like that, that would be great. But for me, it's, it's coming up with, um, especially in a bar, is, is whenever I'm trying to deal with people and stuff like that, I'm thinking about almost these biases I have and the conflict I have. And how sometimes my behavior doesn't match what I believe in. And when that, that's another thing. Values, my values. I believed in being kind and thoughtful and welcoming. But sometimes I'm not that way. Sometimes I'm rude, obnoxious, uh, not very friendly and snarky. That's cognitive dissonance. When I recognize it and I said I'm coming in conflict with that and it just butts up against it. And um, being aware of that, some people are blissfully unaware and, 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 that, and I mean that, that, that being unaware or uncircumspect sometimes, if you're not a horrible person, is a wonderful thing, Right? Because you go through life not worrying about anything. And for, as a personal experience, it has to be wonderful. It has to be wonderful just walking around and saying, well, I'm not really worried about that stuff because I have my, you know, my values. I don't try, I don't conflict with them. Sometimes you, it's hard for people to 
really live up to their values. But if you don't have any values, really, or you, you're just a, all right, you're a regular run-of-the-mill person that doesn't reflective of your the, your demeanor and stuff like that. I'm talking about those people, not the people that are running roughshod over other people, because there are people like that, too, that are that can be total assholes, go around, um, and they don't think anything less of themselves. But the rest of us have to deal with it. We have to deal with the, the way we react to them. And if we get, if I'm running into someone that's hostile and I get hostile to them and I'm, they get, you know, there's a potentiality of violence and things like that. And then I thought, oh, I think in retrospect, I said, well, that's not me. That's not my behavior. But there's some something, you know, there's just, just the way I, I behave. And what can I do about it? I can do is just be aware of it. I can be aware that here I am. If I have, if someone tells me about something, I said, well, listen, well, if someone wants to debate me or something like this, I said, well, I'll look at your evidence. Will you look at my evidence? And if they don't do, you know, they don't give me the, um, you know, if they don't give me the courtesy of doing the same thing that I'm offering to do to them, I said, well, listen, I'll consider your argument if you will really consider mine and I have to understand and when um, someone has something to say it's like when they're talking it's not necessarily politics it's not necessarily religion or, or um, some pop item pop culture item I'll give it a go and especially a, a lot of times you have to have time for, for these things but I just have a feeling that once we, we, we've been going through a really rough period, right, in the last couple of years. Obviously not as rough as maybe 80 years ago. That we're in the middle of World War II. That was rough for a lot of people. And in different places of the world, there's always going to be rough times going on. But in the United States and the, and the Western civilization, Eastern, you know, uh, there, there have been, for a lot of people, have been in somewhat different levels of, harshness has been going on. I think once things kind of settle down a little, we'll have a rebalancing. Rebalancing lets people have more time to think about things that maybe will be more contemplative and won't be just off the cuff about deciding whether something is all good, all bad right away. And, um, that's, that's the message I have for today. I'd like to thank you for listening. This is Jim the Keys Bartender. Have your, uh, you know, have a shot at making that drink I told you about, the Orange Crush. It's delicious, and I'll be back again to tell you some more. Bye.